0: fellow Trinity alumni and listeners, it's been some kind of year, hasn't it? Sometimes on these Learning Together podcasts, we've documented tough times and shared how our Trinity alumni have made their way. Today, you're going to hear the personal stories of three professors in Trinity University's Education Department. They'll discuss the abrupt change in parenting and schooling that came about as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. As both educators and parents, Dr. Laura Allen, Dr. Ellen Barnett, and Dr. Rocio Delgado share their unique perspectives, questions, and insights into navigating the academic year. I'm Nathan Cohn, class of 1995, and this is the Trinity University Learning Together podcast series. Each month, this podcast features faculty, alumni, and other distinguished guests who've established themselves as experts in their fields. It's all part of the university's lifelong learning initiative designed especially for alumni.
1: Okay, so how are you doing? It's been, you know, quite challenging. I do have my three kids. As you know, you know, Yaretsi is a kindergartner. She's uh, six years old, and I have Santiago and Fernando, who are both fourth graders. And, you know, all of my kids are back in school. They're in-person learners. And, you know, the older kids are doing, I mean, they're all doing well. It's just a little, I mean, they, they come home every day talking about how different it is. But, you know, they're They're all hanging in there, students and teachers alike. It's been, you know, quite challenging for me as a parent, you know, just because knowing how different things are in school, you know, I I feel for my kids. But, you know, given our personal circumstances, our family circumstances, you know, we made the decision to send them back to school to learn in person because, you know, at first they were remote as everybody else was, you know, until Labor Day. But I just couldn't. I just couldn't provide them with a the level of assistance that they needed, um, my youngest child in particular. And then one of my boys really struggles with reading. So he just needed a lot more support. And we, that's part of the reason, you know, we decided to um, send them back to school. What about
2: you, Laura? Thank you, Rocio. Well, you know, Caroline is a senior this year in high school. So her situation is a little bit different from your younger one. She's definitely self-sufficient with the, the remote learning. But a little bit about our context. My husband has diabetes and some other health issues. So throughout the summer um, and into the beginning of the fall, we were very, very careful and limited all of our contact with others. That gives you a little bit of background with where we're coming from. Initially, the decision we made was to have her stay home, let her go, to school only for dance. She is on uh, the varsity dance team and this is her senior year. So that really makes a difference. And once they were allowed to practice, it was outside at first. Once she was able to do that, that re-engagement and the social connections really seemed to make a huge difference for her. So that's where we started our semester and the reasons that we chose kind of the, those decisions that we did. What about you, Ellen? I know you have a similar health situation with
3: Luke. Thanks, Laura and CEO, for just sharing how you and your family made these decisions with your children. I, as we continue to go through this pandemic and have opportunities to make different decisions, I think we're all, you know, thinking about what's the best for our family. And yeah, you're right, Laura. Um, we really made our decision based on um, our sons' healthcare and. His needs and the recommendation of our pediatrician so we have a son who is in fifth grade this fall he's 11 his name is Luke, and he has a really significant medical history uh, that i know i think both of you are fairly familiar with but you know the end result of all that he's been through is that he has diminished lung capacity and uh, some concerns around his respiratory system and so the recommendation of our family physician and pediatrician was that he not attend face-to-face classes. And so, you know, that decision was difficult for our family in that we knew it would have consequences, but in some ways it was also perhaps less difficult than maybe that decision was for some families where they were really trying to make that decision together as a family and with their child that decision was kind of made for us by our care team that's how we made our decision and a little bit of the background about you know why we made that decision i'm curious what's it been like for you and and your kids rocio how are they
1: doing well, you know, it wasn't an easy decision to make, quite honestly, you know, to send them back to school. I mean, we, we debated whether to keep them home or not, because, you know, as an education professor, I have a certain amount of privilege, but I'm a teacher educator. So I'm in the schools a lot myself. My children, you know, have no health conditions, but they are English learners. We do speak, you know, Spanish at home. So they're learning English. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, one of them does have um, some reading difficulties, so that's really what influenced our decision. They're they're doing well, you know. Question that I get a lot is, you know, what do schools look like? Because I know that there's a lot of parents who decided not to send their kids back to school. You know, a lot of my, I mean, most of my children's friends are learning remotely, so they do get to see them because they connect via Zoom and all that, right? But you know, the question gets asked a lot about what schools look like. It's just been difficult for kids because well sometimes they're like why do we have to wear a mask all the time you know and why do we get to eat in the cafeteria and I can't sit right across from my friend I don't get to see so and so anymore but the schools are doing a really good job you know following all the procedures I mean there's attempt checks when I drop them off there's a um, set of questions that you know we need to answer the night before or morning off I mean they've sort of gotten used to it by now, Uh, but they do raise a lot of questions as to, you know, why are things like this? And, you know, I don't like, I don't like the way things are. Um, They miss their friends, Um, but they do enjoy, you know, being in school. Laura, how has it been for Caroline in high school? Well, I really had to balance things. It wasn't
2: as easy as it might have sounded, even though my husband had some, some serious health issues. We've really struggled with this. Part of my rationale is that, you know, she's she is 17, and during adolescence, you know, middle school and high school, there's a lot of fluctuation in neurotransmitters, especially oxytocin and serotonin, which regulate mood and the social connections. Um, so they really, you know, those things are, are in play. And then also, we really know that Kids' brains are neuroplastic during this time because basically the brain is kind of restructuring itself for what adult life will look like for them. And so stress can be very detrimental to them because it can create structural and functional changes in their brain. So what I saw with Caroline is that she was home at the end of spring and that, that seemed to be okay but she, we were home so much throughout the summer. All of our vacation plans, all of our travel plans to family were, were canceled. She saw few people. And then we started school remotely. And I really saw a different child for a while, allowing her to go back to dance only and still do her academic classes remotely. I, I began to see her become herself again. And I began to see those that social connections were so needed. And her mood was better. And that was really tricky for us. Um, She went back for a while, beginning of October, she went back to school full time. And and the question of what do schools look like? I talked to her principal before that, and I said, how many people, will kids will be in her classroom? Because that really makes a difference, right? And the answer was, we have no idea. Because everyone at that point was allowed to come back. So what we did is we allowed her to go back that, that day, the day it was a Wednesday, And our agreement was, okay, Caroline, let's see how many people are in each class. And then let's see how many people are in the hallways and see what lunch looks like. And it turned out that, you know, the most people in any of her classes uh, were like eight kids. Most kids still remained home. The the hallways were not crowded. And at lunch, they were very diligent about the seating, kind of like you described, Rocio. And they had to, like, scan a barcode so they knew exactly where people sat at lunch when they took their mask off and ate. So we actually felt really pretty good about that and let her continue until Thanksgiving. And then we pulled her out again after Thanksgiving because we were worried about people gathering and the potential spike, as we have seen, unfortunately, in the in the COVID cases. So right now she's just going for dance. But I but again, having something that she was able to do and make those social connections, I think really I saw my 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 little girl. Well, she's not a little girl anymore, right? kind of come back to to herself and so I think that balance is really critical and we really have struggled with some of that.
0: Hello, this is Danny Anderson, president of Trinity University. Thank you for listening to the Learning Together podcast series brought to you by Trinity's Office of Alumni Relations and Development and produced here on campus by our friends at KRTU, 91.7 FM. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we appreciate your continued support of lifelong learning at Trinity University. Welcome back to the Learning Together podcast from Trinity University. I'm Nathan Cohn. Let's return to the conversation with Dr. Laura Allen, Dr. Ellen Barnett, and Dr. Rocio Delgado.
2: Ellen, how has Luke done? I know he didn't have that choice, unfortunately.
3: I think I'll try to answer the question by talking about some challenges that Luke and our family have experienced during this time of online learning. And then maybe share some things that have been helpful for our family that might be helpful for you know, your family as you're listening and some things that you know have been good through this because while it has been difficult, there have been some, some really great things. The two most significant challenges for us and for Luke really have been the isolation. So it's not just that he's not in school because of our family situation. He also has, um, I'm not even going to say limited, he really has no face-to-face interaction outside of our family. and. Um, That's difficult and um, there have been some moments, I know we were talking about this last week where he's just expressed, I'm lonely, I miss my friends, I hate COVID, when will this end? Why can't I go anywhere? That's been really difficult and we are being careful as a family we are also sometimes experiencing um, these things, right? Feeling really isolated. I think another challenge for our family has been what you, Laura and CEO, what you're working through and those of you who are listening or work with is just juggling work and online learning for your child. I recognize that I'm in a really privileged position and that I have been afforded the opportunity to uh, work from home and so I'm so grateful for that and I know that not every family has that but it's difficult sometimes to really focus on your work while also you know getting lunch together while you know your child is like taking their break from online learning and trying to help with school instruction while also trying to do your job because now, wow, as you both know, like our teachers are just doing amazing things and learning so much and doing so much with our children during difficult circumstances. But the ways that they can you know check in with students and support them on their work are different when they're not face to face. And so you know we're trying to to fill in you know some of that. It's just a, it's a really difficult balance. Gosh, I'm an educator. Um, With, you know, I work with teachers. I was a teacher myself. I've been momming for a while, but I definitely don't have it all figured out. But I have a couple of things that have been helpful for our family. And I'll, I'll share those for other families that might find them useful. It has been helpful to try to create some opportunities for Luke to have some social interaction, and his teacher has supported us in that. So there are some other students who are in similar situations where they're learning fully remotely, and they've created these online social groups. There's like a a little boy in our neighborhood, and he'll bike over and knock on the door and then step back and say, can Luke join me on social breakout room six? And it's just for socialization, right? Like, it's not that they're getting together to do math. Like, they're just playing a game or visiting. So that's been really helpful. And we're grateful that his teachers helped set that up. Another thing we've tried to do, and um, goodness knows we don't always get it right, but we've tried, is to create some sort of a schedule and some division between school and not school time, right? And not work time. And so... You know, like a lot of families, a lot is being done around our dining room table. But on Friday, all of the books go back into the uh, box that we were given from the school. And then they go under his bed and we're done so that it's not just this constant school right at the dining room table kind of thing. That's helped us some. And, you know, I, I... I don't want to just be all negative. There have been some really wonderful moments. Um, We have had a lot of time together. I I have an older student in college, but um, these days go fast. (laughs) And um, it has been really nice to be here. I mean, every stage of adolescent development is super fun. And when you're in that stage, there are challenges and great things. But I mean, fifth grade is really fun and you're normally not with your child that much at this time. And it's been really fun to be with him. And I don't know about your children, Rocio and Laura, that maybe this is something you want to talk about, but I have been wildly impressed with some of the things that he has learned that I don't think he would have learned in any other format, right? Like just to watch him, I know our kids are really often more tech savvy than we are, but I've learned, I've watched him do so many amazing things online. I'm really proud of him and proud of his teachers too, for all that they're doing. And so that, that's been exciting. You
1: know, in terms of technology, yes, it's been challenging, but you know, there's lots, I guess I've just gotten to know my children a lot better. In terms of how they are as students, um, and you also talked about you know the scheduling and how you know there's things that we can do you know to help our children. I know we've we've been working really hard on setting up a schedule and sticking to it. We don't always do it, just because they spend so much time using technology. They are in school face to face, but, you know, they're still Zooming. They're still, you know, doing a lot of things using their computers. So when they come home, you know, we have a rule that, you know, no more, no more electronic devices. And sometimes we stick to it and sometimes we don't. But, you know, they've shown me a lot of, you know, they'll see me Zooming because, you know, I'm also doing meetings and stuff and they'll, um remind me to change my name or change the background and you know they want to be creative and they'll ask me how come I'm using a Google slide and not this or that you know because they're learning so much about you know many different platforms and then what you were saying about the balance um, I know that I've shared I, I, I might have shared this with you already you know we are all educators so we do supervise our students who are out in the field and before my kids went back to school in person I was actually zooming into one of our students, into one of our Trinity's um, interns' classroom. And uh, she's teaching kindergarten, right? And I have a kindergartner. So my daughter was supposed to be doing her kindergarten work on her iPad while I was observing my kindergarten intern. And my daughter came running to actually see what I was seeing on the screen because our Trinity intern was singing songs with her kindergartners. So there I was with my daughter sitting on my lap singing songs that my trinity intern my trinity student was teaching to other kids so those are the moments that are going to stick with me forever <laughs> and i took a picture and i sent it to the principal and i sent it to everyone you know and 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 i think we you know we need to hang on to those moments and celebrate those you know those small things because sometimes it's it's easy to lose track of them when we're experiencing so many challenges laura what do you think I just love that
2: story, Rocio, that is just, and I agree, there's just, there's definitely bright spots that I think get overshadowed sometimes. I was just gonna share one thing that really had helped Caroline and myself. We did it a lot this summer when she, when we didn't have the option to do a lot of socialization, um, but we've continued it. And one is when I realized that she just needs a break because they do just unfortunately sit on technology. She has all AP or dual credit classes. So she has a lot of homework. So unfortunately, she doesn't end her homework till 11 or 12 midnight, you know, so it's a little bit different. She doesn't have the chance to get off of the technology sometimes, so. But I will just grab her and we will go for a walk um, in a really natural area park. Um, There's one near our home. Just spending an hour out there walking, even if the weather's not great, it really does make a difference in your mood and your cognition. And that is something, um, we also have an older daughter that's a college just like Ellen. And that's something that she has utilized this semester too. She actually went back to college. And so while she was there, she would text me and say, mom, Hannah and I are going for a walk with one of her friends, you know? And so, so I really do think that getting out and spending time in nature is, is a safe, pretty safe, healthy way. And it really gets you out of that, off those screens and out of the house. I think sometimes just getting out of the house just helps relieve just that constant focus that we have, you know, and and it just makes us feel all a little bit better. So that is definitely a strategy that we've used. We also, as a family, have kind of a a fun thing. Whoever goes out of the house has to bring Sonic drinks back to uh, everybody that is in the house. That's just one of our our go-tos ever since COVID started. It's, it's small, but it's just kind of brightened your day a little bit. I love that tradition,
3: Laura. I, <laughs> I, I recently learned about that a couple of weeks ago and I shared that with my family. I was like, I think we need to start what they're doing. We've also gotten out a little bit more and really enjoyed that as well. Uh, Luke's not so much into walking, but he does like outdoor play and We've just invested in some really inexpensive things like a Frisbee and this little saucer that you can toss through the air um, and some like little kickballs and found some parks. We're really lucky, I think, in San Antonio. And we do often have weather that's nice enough to be outside. And so we found some new parks in San Antonio with some open spaces and just played ball and thrown a Frisbee. And it's been really fun.
2: Well, I think we all have different challenges and I know every family, all of everyone we talk to has different challenges because your family situation is unique. Definitely been something no one expected, you know, to see coming, but I think it's just, a, it's a balance. It's a daily balance and figuring out what works for your particular child, because it's, it's not the same as you know, different kids need different things and, and it may be the same response, but it may not be. And that that's okay. And just to take it one day at a time because everybody's doing the best they can. And and goodness knows I've made mistakes and I know y'all
3: probably feel like you have too. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Laura.
0: Thanks for listening to the Learning Together podcast. I'm Nathan Cohn. Today's episode was recorded and produced by Trinity University's KRTU radio station for the Office of Alumni Relations and Development new podcast will be released on the last Friday of each month. For more information about our Learning Together podcast series or to suggest a topic for a future episode please email us at podcast at trinity.edu.